Amen. Mary. Before I get into the word, on behalf of Pastor Jerry, the elders, and the staff, we want to say thank you to the church for stepping up and making sure that all of those angels found a home so that someone else's home could be blessed this Christmas. Thank you for thinking of others, for thinking of the least of these people who need necessities and a few wants. I'm honored to do life with a group of Christians who really follow Jesus and who really take his words into account that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, last year, God provided and all the angels were taken, but it took a few Sundays for all the angels to be taken. Uh, but in just one Sunday, not only did you take them all, but also we made sure the schools are covered where we serve as well. So um, I'm honored and blessed to, to do life with you. And amen. And, and let me also say this too. There was a group of ladies, 10 ladies I am told, who came by and decorated throughout this church to put these lovely decorations up. And I want to honor them and thank them too. Thank you, ladies. Wow. <clears throat> Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I was talking to Amy Wolf during the greeting time, and she was talking about how the Spirit ministered to her during the worship time. And um, it's always good to worship God in spirit and in truth. And there was a a verse of the psalmist says, Come lay down the burdens you have carried, for in the sanctuary God is here. And as I pray today, I confess burdens that I sometimes carry too much as a pastor. I lay them down and then I take them back up. <laughs> and I'm glad he works with me and he understands my frame that I'm dusty. My heart is burdened this morning. Um, but that don't mean I don't have joy. That doesn't mean I don't have peace. So pray with me. Lord, thank you for how you spoke to me and I'm sure many, many others to give you what we cannot carry and what we cannot carry on our own. My God, we know that there are people in this body who are hurting in their bodies. We know there are people in this body, Lord, who are hurting in relationships and in their soul. But I thank you that many of them made it into your house today. And for some of them, Lord, they may have limped in, but with your help, they will dance out. For those who've come in with questions, you are the answer, whether or not you give them the answers to their questions. You are the answer. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And we thank you that we can come into a church and be real. We can leave mass at home. We can leave mass at the altar. And 
and we can be who we are in the presence of you because you love us in spite of circumstances, in spite of shortcomings, in spite of hopes deferred. You, you love us. So God, in front of your people this morning, I humble myself and I lay down the burden to be a perfect Christian. I lay down the burden to perform for people. I, I lay down the burden to preach a perfect sermon. I lay down the burden to be entertaining yet intellectually stimulating. I, I lay down the burden to be there for everybody. I lay down the burden of the aches and the pains in my heart. I lay down the burden and I exchange it for your joy. Would you do that for my brothers and my sisters? Thank you, Lord, that you know what we have need of before we ask. But it's in the asking that intimacy is experienced. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that you not only saved us, you like us. You called Abraham your friend. Jesus, you called your disciples your friends. You call us friends. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What an amazing God. Now, Lord, take this word. I'm a good candidate to preach today because I'm weak. And you said when I'm weak, that's when we can be strong. Lord, I want people to get some of these principles. And I pray specifically, oh God, for the person in our church who's struggling at their job, for the person who's struggling because they don't have a job, or the person who's thinking about leaving or quitting their job, Holy Ghost, breathe life into them through this message. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Can somebody give Jesus a hand praise? Just come on before we get going. Hallelujah. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. Mm -mm -mm. This may be one of the first Sundays we didn't have a guest here. Well, maybe the guest just didn't want to raise his or her hand. We did have a guest. Amen. Did you get a gift bag? Okay, good, good. Since you are the only gift guest, give them another gift bag, you know. Let them go home with a double portion. Amen. Oh, wow. Well, if you were here last week, you know we started a five-week message series called This Is How We Do It, God's People managing God's resources God's way. So it's our desire to grow as stewards or managers of God. And we learned last week that God owns everything. We own nothing. Yet God has allowed us to be stewards of his resources. So let me say it one more time. God owns Everything, Because if we don't establish that correctly, then nothing else we talk about or try to apply will make any sense. He owns everything. You and I own nothing. Yet, he allows us to manage or steward his resources. We learned last week that a steward is someone who owns no things but manages all things and works to expand certain things, all for the glory of the king. That's what a steward is. A steward owns no things, but manages all things and works to expand certain things. There are things he gives you that he didn't give to someone else. 
And what he gave you, he wants you to expand so that others can be reached and that he may be glorified. That others, especially in the body, may be edified with what he's given to you. He, he expects a return on his investment with what he has given you uniquely. So we've been called to expand certain things all for the glory of the king. This is how we do it. Last week we looked at this is how he owns it. And I even had the nerve to bring in the Montel Jordan old school track just to shake some of y'all up. Now, I didn't go over this with my DJ before we got started today, but I want to make sure he's awake. Tanner, if you have it, can you hit me? Oh, he don't have it. You're not ready. There it is. All right, we got to do that again, man. We got to do that again. Cut it. So last week, we spoke about how <laughs> DJ, and, and I need you to put some, some decibels on it. Hit me. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. La, 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 la. You can cut it. You can cut it. All right. All right. Well, today, this is how. We earn it. This is how we earn it. This is an aspect of stewardship. This is how we earn it. And let me say that we earn it only because he supplies it. Okay? We earn it because he supplies it. Turn to somebody and say, God is my supplier. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's, he's my supplier. He said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He, he's our supplier, which means, once again, it doesn't start with us. It starts with him. So anything I have comes from him, even a job, even the ability to work. It comes from him, and it goes back to him that he may be honored. So we earn it, whatever we earn, no matter what your economic bracket happens to be, whatever we earn, we earn it because he supplies it. He supplies the work and the work ethic. He supplies the health and the strength. He supplies the opportunity and the ability. And he supplies the time and the talent. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. In order for me to live my life, and as Jesus said in John 10, 10, abundantly, I need to work. I need a job. He supplies work for us, and he does so by his divine power. Three points today, and I'll do my best to finish this and get you out of here uh, right at 12 or a little bit after. The first point is that we earn it because God created us to work. That's the first thing we're going to see from Genesis. We earn it because God created us to work. Secondly, we earn it because God blesses our work. And finally, we earn it because God shows us how to work. So three easy points. The first one, let's get going. We earn it because God created us to work. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, Male and female, he created them. If you came from an amoeba, raise your hand. If you came from a gorilla, 
raise your hand. If you were created in the image of God, raise your hand. Amen, amen. Just want to make sure. Two hands went upstairs by Brother Aubrey. And Aubrey, when he made you, brother, he broke the mold. Man. <laughs> so we've been created by God. We've been made in his image. And, and that is such a lofty thought. Um, and, and I won't even try to get into all the nuances of what, that may, of what that does mean. But one thing it does mean is that there are certain things about God that are attributable to us. These are called communicable attributes. There are things that we do because God has given us the attribute or the ability to do. But there are other things that we cannot do. There are things that belong only to God, and they, those are called incommunicable attributes. But one communicable attribute we have, being made in his image, is that we work. Why is it that we work? We work because God works. So when you read the book of Genesis, God works by speaking things into existence. And because God is a creator and God is a worker, being made in his image means that we are workers too. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17, my father has been working up until this point and so am I. So because God works, we work. Because Jesus works, we work. Work is good. All right? When you read the book of Genesis, when God creates, everything is good until he gets to the final piece of man and woman, and he says everything is good. But as he's creating, everything is good. And this is before the fall in chapter 3. Adam had jobs before the fall, so that means that work is good. Now dig this, because of the fall, work got cursed, but work is not a curse. Stay with me. God cursed the ground because of Adam and Eve's sin, and God said, in the sweat of your face, you will be able to get the fruit from the land, implying that before the fall, he would work the land and get the fruit without having to exert the kind of energy from a hard land or hard ground that, that it would be easy, if you will, in his work. But once sin entered, Creation was altered. Even the earth suffers from man's sin. And so the Bible says that in your, the sweat of your face, you will be able to get fruit from the land, harvest the land. So work got cursed, but work is not a curse. Work is good. So since work is not a curse, stop cursing while you work. Right? Attitude helps us. Work is a blessing, especially when we have the physical ability and capability to work. It is a blessing. So stop cursing while you work. Uh, uh, do what them little dwarfs did. They whistle while they work. <laughs> Don't curse, whistle. And if you can't whistle, Christian, worship while you work. Worship while you work. God created us to work, so that means work is in his will for us. It's in his will. That is his will for us to work, for those of us who can and who are able to work. And we discover a portion of our purpose through our work, okay? A portion of our purpose because God has an assignment for us, as we'll see in a moment. But Tim Keller says, you will not have a meaningful life 
without work. But you will lose yourself if you say work is the meaning of life. Let me read that one more time. You will not have a meaningful life, Tim Keller says, without work. So work is a part of our purpose and our identity. It's not our identity. It's a portion of our identity. He says you will lose yourself if you say work is the meaning of life. Mm -mm. Jesus is the meaning of life. Work is an outlet of life. God created us to work, and he also created work for us to do. So once again, this, this great God who supplies what we need, he positions you where he wants you, and he even wires you a certain way to do certain things. As we'll see, God controls the economic ecosystem. He makes sure that um, there are enough firemen and women and enough teachers and enough barbers and enough preachers and enough construction work. Everybody's not all a musician. Everyone is not all a whatever you want to come up with a, an occupation. He, he makes sure that the ecosystem is balanced because he gives each and every one of us specific things to do for his glory and for the edification of others and that we might be able to provide for ourselves. Let me prove it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden. We learned last series that he planted paradise eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. He put him there. And we see now going down to verse uh, 15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And then let's see here, verse 19. And... Uh, 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 where am I? Where am I? Got my glasses on. Can't see. All right. Verse 19. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So let's see what God did here. Adam was given two jobs. His job was, number one, to keep and tend the garden. And then his second job was to name the animals. So two jobs. Uh, must have been Jamaican. Two jobs. To tend and work the garden and to name the animals. Watch this. He worked with his hands and he worked with his head. He worked with his back, and he worked with his brain. And some of us are going to have jobs where we do both. Some of us are going to have jobs where we do one over the other. But what we see here is this balance in this man that had two jobs, and he was wired by God with necessary abilities to do the jobs. So in order to work the garden, God had to give him strength in his body to do it in order to name the animals. And we just think, man, just go right over that. Think about all of the thousands of animals and their species. He has to sit there and name them, which meant that God gave him the intellect to do that. And the Bible says whatever he named them, that is what they were named. And he named them as a way of exercising his dominion, his authority over them. That came from God. So everything is coming from God. 
the ability to work, the ability to use his hands, his mind, to have dominion over the animals and to assert that it all comes from God. And God literally placed Adam where he wanted him to be. The Bible says he placed him in the garden. And whenever I read that, forgive me, it takes me back to growing up playing with action figures. Not playing with dolls, playing with action figures. And I would pick my G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip up, and I'd place him over here, and I'd have him knock down my sister's Barbie dolls, and I'd take him, and I'd place him over here because I, I had control over him. I put my hand on Big Jim. I put my hand on Spider-Man. And God does the same thing with us. He places his hands on us, and he places us where he wants us to be. And that's why we have to live our lives as an act of worship, not just something as an activity, worship we do on Sundays, but all of life is worship where I'm practicing the presence of God. Everywhere I go, I'm acknowledging him in all my ways. And that means he's putting me where he wants me to be because I don't control my life when I leave church. He controls and leads my life. My steps are ordered by God, and that includes where he places me to work. And so, so I have to have this divine uh, belief about my life that I'm just not doing it on my own. I'm doing what he has for me. He not only wires me to do the job, he places me where he wants to do the job. Now, this is for free what I'm about to say. Before Adam got a wife from God, bruh man had work from God. Do you get that? He didn't wait to get a job when he got the woman. He had a job, then God gave him the woman. Sisters, if the brother don't work, <laughs> hey, hey, that, that, that's an indicator right there. Because he, he needed to know responsibility. Because if he can't handle a job, he can't handle a wife. So I'm not trying to be, you know, barbaric or Flintstonian, but what I'm trying to say to you... <laughs> There were many things he had going on. All right, all right, all right, y'all messing with me. Before he got a wife from God, he had the wind of God. God breathed into him, and he became a living being. The Spirit of God entered that man. And that meant he also had a walk with God. Genesis chapter 3 says that God walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. So before he started walking with a woman, he was walking with God. He got the wind from God. He had a, the, uh, 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 what's my next point, baby? I've got He had to walk with God. Oh, y'all mess with me. And then he had the word from God. He had the word from God. What do you mean? God gave him the word on what to eat, what not to eat in that garden. And it was his job to then give that word to his wife when she came along. So before he got the wife, he had the wind, he had the walk, he had the work, and he had the word. So, sisters, just put that aside. That's for free now, and come see me later. All right, let me move on. If you're not doing what you feel God put you here to do, do what you got to do till you get to do what you feel God's called you to do. You know, no. so, so there's a purpose. He's wired you. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are doctors. Some of you are lawyers. Some of you work with your hands. Some of you are physical trainers, personal trainers. We have a bunch of occupations in God's ecosystem. He keeps it balanced. And some of us are saying, man, I, I don't feel like I'm doing what I was put here to do. Well, sometimes finding what you were put here to do takes time. 
And in the meantime, do what you got to do until you get to do what you want to do, which is what you believe God has called you to do. God likes to steer moving Christians, get out of park and get a job. Uh, I remember when I was uh, in school, I didn't know what to major in. I was like, man, what am I going to be? What am I going to do with my life? And I had somebody tell me, because you don't know specifically what you want to do, go ahead and take general studies. Take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Because as you do that, you will find out quickly what you don't want to do, and certain things will start coming out about what you might do. And somewhere later in my sophomore year, I declared my major in biblical studies, never wanted to be a pastor. That's a whole nother story. Uh, but, but I love pastoring now. It is part of my purpose and why God put me here. But I didn't discover that until I was 27 years old. But I had a whole bunch of other jobs leading up to this job that I've been holding now for over 20 years. Man, I won't even go down the list of jobs. But what you've got to do, you've got to keep moving until God places you right where he wants you. Amen? And if you don't have a job right now, your job is looking for a job. That ain't in the Bible, but that's what mama and them said. If you don't have a job right now, your job is looking for a job. Get up off the couch, put some clothes on, and get out there. If you don't have a job right now or you don't have the right job right now, God is either preparing you or he is protecting you. So sometimes while we're waiting, while we're waiting, God is preparing us for where we're going. Or he's protecting us because they will take advantage of us. Or, 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 you know, he's protecting us from something that we don't need to get involved in. And that's why we need to wait for God to open doors that we've knocked on. We don't need to push doors down and end up getting somewhere that God says, that's not what I had for you. Now, my grace will be with you, but man, there's a perfect will from Romans chapter 12, but you've got to wait on me. So while you're waiting on me, just know I'm preparing you for it and it for you. I'm protecting you from certain things, but in the meantime, because I'm God, I'm providing you everything you need. You may not have a paycheck, but you haven't missed a meal. You're learning about faith right now in a way that you never would have learned. So I've seen people go through unemployment periods for months And they've been able to live off savings or receive help from the church or from family members. And God is working in them as he's preparing them for the work. So I want to encourage anyone who's waiting on the Lord, don't give up like we sang today. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But he's working on you. Oh, I got to move quickly. Secondly, we earn it because God blesses our work. We earn it because he created us to work, made in his image. We're supposed to work. But because we're not God, we have to rest from our work. That's, again, another category of a message of having Sabbath and taking a break from work. Because unlike God, we we can't go on uh, forever. Our power runs out. So God rested as an example. So you rest. Get a break. Don't be a workaholic on one end. Don't be lazy on the other end. Work and rest. Secondly, we earn it because God blesses our work. Oh, man. God blesses you to be a blessing. His grace appears to you that it might appear through you. He blesses the work of your hands. So many places in the Bible, I had to keep whittling these scriptures down, saying I can't give them all the scriptures, but there's so much in the Bible that speaks about God blessing the work of our hands. The place where you work should be better because you're there. Because you're there, that means God is there. You, the favor of God is on you. When Nehemiah showed up to do that impossible job of putting the wall up, 
that had sat uh, uh, for years and, and, and it just remained rubble. But when the right man, God's man, showed up, he mobilized the people, put the wall up in 52 days. And they knew it was the work of God. And over and over, Nehemiah says it was because God's good hand was upon me. God's hand was upon me. And God's hand is on you because you're his son and you're his daughter. And we see this specifically in the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. Work gets blessed. The workplace gets blessed because you are there. But shame on us if those of us who profess to be Christ are the main ones starting trouble and stirring up issue and conflict and confusion at work. No, 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 no. The Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So we see that the Lord was with God, with Joseph. And everything Joseph did prospered because as he touched it, God was touching it through Joseph. A man who was in a horrible predicament, being sold by his brothers, on and on and on. And even in the midst of all that, God blessed his work and his efforts. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse 21 of Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 21, the Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison verse 22 and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison whether they whatever they did there it was his doing the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did the Lord made it prosper so when you go to work, do you have this sense that God is with you and that it's not about you having to do this project by yourself? As Ben Wolf reminded me last week, we not only work for God, we work with God. We should have an unfair, unseen advantage when we step into the workplace because we're not going on our own. We put on the full armor of God. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's called the helper. Lord, help me do this because I can't even do the simplest task without your help. And I'm not going to take credit that because I can do these tasks, I'm doing them because I'm so good. I'm doing them because I'm so blessed. I'm doing them because you've graced me so. And Lord, would you get the glory through me on the job today? Well, the butler forgot Joseph when he was in jail because wherever Joseph went, Potiphar's house, and now even in the jail, Potiphar's house is blessed. The jail is blessed. Joseph interprets dreams for the baker and the butler. The, the butler gets out. The baker dies just as Joseph prophesied. And, and, and Joseph said, hey, bro, don't forget it, bro, man, down here. Now I'm down here. God's using me, but I do want to get up out of here. I don't want to stay on this entry-level position. I want a promotion. Well, the Bible says that he was forgotten. And for two full years, Genesis 41.1 says that the butler was doing his thing and Joseph was still in the prison. But when the butler finally remembered Joseph, that's when God promoted Joseph. Genesis chapter 41, beginning at verse 14. The Bible reads, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. So, so he had been waiting 
for two full years waiting for his opportunity to come. And it didn't come. But when it did finally come, the Bible says it came quickly. One of the hardest things to do is to wait on God because it seems like God takes so long to do his thing. But when God does do his thing, it's then hard to keep up with God while he's doing his thing. And so he gets promoted, and he gets promoted quickly, and you know the rest of the story. It says in verse 15 that Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said that of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Look at verse 16. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So he's saying where his help comes from, that the only reason I can interpret these dreams is because of God. So when you have an opportunity to speak on the job about God, do you take the opportunity or do you keep your mouth shut? I mean, he's not in a, an environment that acknowledges Yahweh, but he recognizes his boss is in a place that only Yahweh can deliver. And he speaks up as a witness of the Lord. When you're in your workplaces, again, you're not just there to use the gifts and talents that God has given you to earn an income for yourself and your family, but you're also there to be a light for the Lord. And when he gives you an opportunity, open your mouth and tell folk about the goodness of the Lord that's on your life. Testify. If you don't know how to give the gospel, this verse, that verse, tell what Jesus has done in your life and always give him the glory. So my man gets promoted. And he becomes number two in the land. Now, when we get promoted, may we not forget the one who promoted us, and may we not forget where we came from before the promotion. Because, again, sometimes we, we get a little something and we forget. And God knows about our tendency to be forgetful. So he told Israel, before you go into the promised land and you start inhabiting houses that you didn't build and drinking from wells that you didn't dig and getting fruit from trees you didn't plant, God says over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy, do not forget me because I'm the one who delivered you from captivity and brought you this way and bless you. Don't forget me. So when God promotes you, because promotion comes from God, it's not about how hard you work. We should work hard. Some of us know that we work hard, but we don't always get promoted. And other people get promoted above us. And so that we don't get discouraged or even um, covetous of what other people have, we need to be able to say, my times are in God's hands, not my boss's hands. And when God wants to promote me, he'll move on the heart of my boss to do it. Proverbs says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wants. So if I haven't got promoted, it's because God says it's not time for my promotion because he's working some things in my character. He wants to make sure that when he elevates me, I can uh, handle the elevation. He's not going to take the turkey out of the oven before it's time. Uh, he, he may leave you in the oven a little bit to make sure you're cooked through and through on the inside where integrity matters most. So don't get down because you haven't had your promotion yet. Psalm 75, you can look at this later, verses 6 and 7. God puts up one and he puts down the other. Promotion doesn't come from the north or the south or the east or the west. It comes from God. Joseph got promoted in God's time. And we trust that you will too. Finally, 
We earn it because God shows us how to work. For our visual learners in the house, Jesus is God's word picture for us on everything. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. You can't see words come out of people's mouths. But Jesus, words of spirit, spirit became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus walked the earth, he was God's word picture of God's will and God's kingdom, of God's love. Jesus demonstrated everything about God in the flesh. The word became flesh. And for those of us who are visual learners, we learn everything about Jesus Christ, everything about life from Jesus Christ. We learn from the Bible that Jesus worked for God. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. So Jesus worked for God. Who do you work for? He is our example now. So we got to remember, okay, yeah, I work for my boss. But technically and primarily, I work for the Lord. If I forget that, I'll get short with my boss, and I might say something to my boss that will dishonor the Lord. So when you read the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, we're told that a wife is to submit to a husband as to the Lord. So if we have trouble submitting to a person, Lord, help me. I'm submitting to you. Give me grace to submit to this person. And by the way, husbands are to submit to their wives too. Uh, Ephesians 5.22, that, that verse don't get talked about much. Just the 5.18, why? submit. Well, what about that one submit to one another out of reverence for God? Uh-huh, man. Oh, I, I'm going to keep it. I ain't going to run down that street. And then he's like, children, submit to your parents in the Lord for this is good. And then he gets in Ephesians 6 and he talks about how workers are to submit to their bosses. And he says, and when you do your work, just don't do it because they're looking at you. Do the right thing even when they're not looking. Why? Because you're working as unto the Lord who's watching all the time. So, so that's who I ultimately work for. Jesus worked for God. Jesus did the work that God assigned for him to do from eternity past. You've been wired to do something. I've been wired to do something. When I tap into that, I tap into part of what my purpose is for being here. And Jesus had a purpose. He was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So that means before the world was spoken into existence, the lamb had an assignment or a job, and that was to die. Pastor, what do you mean? Adam and Eve hadn't even been created. They haven't even sinned yet. And you're saying before God created the world and Adam and Eve, Jesus already had a job, and assignment? Yes, he did. Because the God I serve has the answer before the problem even manifests. He knows what he's going to do before we mess things up. And so it was determined that Jesus would come and die. You have a call on your life. He told Jeremiah, I've ordained you and called you to be a prophet before you were in the womb. In other words, God had a plan, an assignment for him, for Jesus, and for all of us. And so that gives us confidence when we do what we do because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you have minds that understand biology, others of us don't. Some of you have minds that understand math and science, others of us don't. Others of you have natural abilities to do this with a football or a baseball or a basketball or to coach or to lead. We don't all have the same gifting, but God made us a certain way, and he gives us certain assignments. 
Oh, yeah, Jesus did his work in his father's name and not in his own name, John 5, 43. So when you go to work, don't go in your name. Go in his name because when stuff starts falling apart, you're going to call out to him in his name anyway. So go in his name when you go before the problem comes. Jesus made many friends when he did his work. He made friends for life on his job, and I'm one of them. But watch this, though, and I hope you're making friends on your job. Don't be the salty Christian and look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Come on now. Don't talk about I don't have any friends. Be a friend. Talk to somebody. Go up to that person that nobody talks to. Be some light up in there. He made friends when he worked. He also made a whole lot of enemies when he worked. So don't be shocked when people don't like you. Again, you're the aroma of Christ. So when you walk into a place, some people smell you and go, mm, you smell good. Other people smell you and hate how you smell because it's a spiritual thing. So when you have enemies, don't take it. Don't, don't, don't be shocked. Be like, man, the Lord had enemies, and he was perfect, never did anything wrong. I'm not perfect. I do some things wrong, so I shouldn't be shocked that I have haters and enemies even on my job. But God's using it as a teachable moment. Jesus faced tremendous resistance and suffered unjustly in his work. So don't be surprised when you suffer on your job. Don't quit. The Bible says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So he was reviled and he didn't revile back. He was lied on and he didn't lie back on people. He was falsely accused. He didn't falsely accuse other people. He was mocked, but he didn't mock other people. He was called names, but he didn't call other people's names. He was tested. He was ganged up on. He was denied on his job. He was betrayed, stripped, beaten, tortured, and killed in his work. So you think Mondays are tough. What about his Friday? So let's get some perspective and stop moaning about the job we go to on Mondays when there are people who wish they had a job to go to like ours. Lord, help my attitude. This is part of your way to provide for me. Jesus didn't quit in his work. John 12, 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. He didn't quit. Some of us quit so many jobs. We look at your resume. You were there three months, two months, one month, six months. How come you can't stay somewhere? It ain't always everybody else. Look in the mirror. Just might be you. And maybe there's a muscle that God wants to develop in you, but you keep quitting, literally, the assignment, and that muscle can't develop. So when you hit resistance, you give up. And God has said, I'm trying to get that out of you. And you're going to keep on doing these things until you press through because I've got so much for you. So don't be a quitter. It's hard to quit when you're called by God. That's why, again, man, until you can do what you were put here to do, you got to do other jobs. But you got to say, Lord, I want to tap into what you have for me. If I'm a manager, I can manage in a lot of places. You know, so, so Lord, help me, help me. Oh, God. And when you know he's called you to do something, you can't quit. Jesus sweat in his work. Matter of fact, he sweat drops of blood. Don't be afraid to sweat. Jesus experienced physical, spiritual, emotional, and relational pain in his work. And he endured all of it. Oh, God, it's so hard on my job. Oh, God, I feel so weak on my job. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. Why? He's my example. He's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. 
oh, I just got a couple more about Jesus. Jesus finished his work. John 17, 4. He says, I have glorified you on the earth, Father. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Don't you leave a job until you finish the job. And how you leave says a lot about your character. Okay, you ain't supposed to be at this job, okay? Your season is up. The brook has dried up, and he's going to lead you to the next place. Leave correctly. Because you never, because if you burn a bridge, you just might have to come back across on that bridge. Okay? So, so, so Christians, let's leave well, but let's not leave until we finished our assignment. Some of you can't leave where you are because you haven't finished what God put you there to do. Another thing as I close, Jesus got a promotion in his work. Philippians chapter 2 says, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. Now before verses 9, 10, and 11, he had to go through 5, 6, 7, 8 where he suffered and he was beaten, and he was crucified. He went down in ignominy. But then God exalted him in due time on the third day. And not only did God raise him up, he set him up to be worshipped by everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Somebody says, I'm waiting on my promotion. But I'm just so glad that Jesus did all this work. I'm so glad that he didn't quit when he was tempted and tried and tested. I'm so glad he endured it all. I'm so glad. And I want to be a worker like Jesus is a worker. So Strong Tower, this is how we earn it. We earn it because God created us to work. We earn it because God blesses our work. It's called grace. And God shows us how to work. That's how we earn it. We earn it because he supplies it. Now what I want to do as we close um, would you please stand to your feet? It's 12-12. I apologize. Titans aren't playing today. God blessed their work on Thursday. <laughs> They're still alive. But I want to pray for certain people. And when I call you, I, I want you to come up here as a sign of your dependence upon God, your need for God to intervene. Because one of the things that burdens me as a pastor, I know that there are good people in this church who are unemployed, and they've been unemployed for months. And I want to pray for God to do a miracle. They've been waiting. And I want to pray for people who feel like they're underemployed. That, that they need to, as the worship leader said today, step out on the water with Jesus in a responsible way. There are people here who are called to start businesses, start a new career. I want to pray for them. And I want to pray for the person that's weary at their job because they don't know, you. they, they one last nerve from you going off up in there. Okay? I want to pray for all of you. So if any of those categories, Kevin, as you play during this prayer time. If, if you need a job, um, employment, gainful employment, a promotion, more money, it's a tough work environment. God's calling you to step out, to start a business, to do a new career. Just come meet me up front. Just come on. We're going to do this quickly. We're a family. 
Come on, y'all. Come on. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. I'm looking at one person now who is experiencing what can be categorized as racism, sexism on her job. Again, I, I know a lot about what y'all go through, and it's just the tip of the iceberg, man. And when I'm preparing during the week, I'm praying for you, and I'm asking God to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Would you all hold hands here? We have a man in the church. I don't know if he's here this Sunday. God healed him physically. Stefan. But there are workers that don't want to hire him because of what he's been through. And, uh, and I'm just like, Lord, would you take care of him? And I didn't even know. We, we prayed months ago for him to get a job. But the joy that he has when he comes in, I'm like, he must have a job. He just hadn't told me. And then Pastor Jerry said, no, Pastor, he still doesn't have a job. And that man had the nerve to give me a gift during Pastor Appreciation. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm like, God, would you bless him? Let's pray. <sighs> Lord, we've seen you show up on our behalf before. When our backs were against the wall, when things were dead, and things were, quote, unquote, hopeless, and we felt helpless. And we could barely move. We were struggling with depression and discouragement. We were questioning our gifts and abilities. The devil was having a field day. And, Lord, we saw you show up. We saw you stretch money. We saw you provide money. We saw you pay bills. We never lacked. So we've seen you before promote, provide, protect us, take care of us, silence enemies. Lord, our worship leader said the holidays sometimes can be hard. There are people, Lord, up here who bought gifts for other people. And some of them don't even have money for their own families. I see Jesus in them. And God, I'm asking as best as I can, would you bless them back? Would you give them what they need? As you said in your word, you would provide what we need for life and godliness. You said in your word that when we pray according to your will, you hear us. And work is your will. So for those who need work, would you provide work? Would they get a call back? Would they get the email? And I know, Lord, they give to you out of their savings. They give in this church. You see them. I pray for that lady. Lord, who could run the school where she's at? She's that gifted. But she keeps hitting ceilings. Many of our women were hitting ceilings on the job. God, would you, in the name of Jesus, obliterate the ceiling? 
what our ladies get paid, God, what they are rightfully deserving of in Jesus' name. Lord, would you break down the discrimination and the sexism that our sisters experience on the job? Oh, God, would you promote them, Lord, without them feeling any temptation to compromise, to get ahead? But my sister who left her job because she felt like her assignment was done and she doesn't know what you're going to do next. But she had so much joy when she told us, God, would you provide for my sweet sister? Oh, God, thank you, God. Can't wait to see what you're going to do. Can't wait to see what you're going to do. We're going to praise you in advance because we're in your will. You wired us. Lord, place us in that next position, that next assignment for favor. Lord, bless us to be the head and not the tail. Bless us in the city and in the field. Bless us to be a blessing. We promise to give you all the praise. When we start earning more money, we promise to give you the praise. And Lord, we're going to be disciplined. We're not going to miss church when we start getting blessed. We're not going to start holding on to money when we get blessed. Now unto him. was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore and all of God's people said Amen Amen, Amen, Amen Come on You are dismissed. God bless you.